Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to episode 294 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network presented by Justice Dental. We are going to talk today about Kentucky's historic offensive performance against the Marshall Thundering Herd in a 118-82 victory on Friday evening. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say it's presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined relatively on time. I know there are some haters in the, the chat that uh, were betting on the over for what time we were going to get this thing rolling, but we are on time, at least somewhat, ready to talk some uh, some ball. Sean Smith, thank you for joining us. Yeah, you scared me when you put out a specific time on Twitter. I was like, oh boy, this is uh, we're flirting with uh, disaster here, but no, we, we are on time, and uh, this is one time you probably want to bet the unders. I know you want to sweat out an under with us, so uh, take the under for now on our start times. I, I think we're getting better at this now. Did have some issues earlier in the week, but not today. And, and you're not betting any unders with Kentucky basketball um, in, in total points, you know, the total team points and individual points. I mean, just what Kentucky is doing right now offensively is just unprecedented, and it is historic. I mean, the 118 – Total points for Kentucky is the most of the John Calipari era, topping the uh, 2016 beatdown over the Arizona uh, in, against Arizona State down in the Bahamas. That very fun kind of run and gun team with Bam Adebayo, Darren Fox, and Malik Monk. We're starting to see kind of a lot, that same vibe where every game that you turned on with Kentucky that year, it was kind of must see TV. And that's what we're getting with this team. 118 is the record. I believe it was the most ever dating back to what? Oh, one. Was that the, the stat I just saw? Oh, one. I believe so. Oh, one or oh, three. Well, one, one of the two, but it's been decades since we've seen offensive, uh, an offensive outing of that magnitude, Sean, 60.8% shooting. Overall, 59.3% from uh, from three and 80% from the free throw line, 27 assists, nine turnovers. I mean, it was it was a flawless offensive performance from start to finish, Sean. They just refuse to turn the ball over, don't they? I mean, at, at this point, it's you, you, you can talk about just how young they are, but just overall, the way the ball moves, the way guys are sliding and, and getting positioned to receive the next pass. I know you uh, retweeted a – a clip from from the other night where Antonio Reeves finished it with a three. And if you go back and you look at that clip again, Antonio Reeves started to slide before Rob Dillingham ever caught the basketball and got it to him. He was putting himself in position to get separation to knock down a shot. Like the IQ that these that this group collectively is playing with right now is just so impressive. And Jack, I put out, I wasn't there Friday night. Obviously, it uh, hurt to miss that performance live. I know you had a blast watching it, but. I put out, I think my final score prediction was like 86 to 63 and like legit Kentucky almost got there 
in the first half. And the 86 points is a lot of points. I mean, we're not talking a small amount of points, but to, to almost get to that number in the first half alone, and then you're there well into the second half I mean, or early in the second half. And then, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And, and you're talking about numbers in first ever in the John Calipari era. We're talking about the number of threes they're taking. We're talking about the number of made threes they're taking, the, the Kansas game and the threes they hit, back-to-back games there, the points, like everything – offensively is a first in the Cal air or the highest in the Cal air. You go back to number of 20 point scores first time since his first team with three in a game. There's a lot of those numbers showing up, Jack, which just tells you how well this team is playing offensively. I mean, it's, it's incredible at this point. 94.3 points per game on the year on 51% shooting and 43% from three through six games. Sean, would you like to know how many times Kentucky hit the 80 point mark last year? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> eight. Eight whole, eight this many. They've done that in all six games thus far this year. 94 points a game. I, I mean, uh, th- I mean, think of that. That group in the Bahamas in 2016 when they hit that 115 against Arizona State, that team finished the year averaging 85 points a game, 84.9. And that team was seen as the – they, you know, the run and gun, get up and down the floor. We're going to beat you in track track meets, and they're they're surpassing that total by ten points a game through six games. Like the sample size is still small, but it's not one game against Popcorn State. Like the, we're starting to develop at least a sample size of this isn't just a one off one hitter. Kentucky win, you know, winning the opener one hundred one to sixty five, and then you know the things leveling out at some point midway through the year. Like we're starting to develop some semblance of a, uh, of a sample size here that it's pretty clear that this is going to be the norm. Like, yes, we're going to have some defensive issues and we're going to see if we can, you know, win rebounding battles for a change. That's still going to be a question. And, and it's still one that we have right now, but I don't think we will have scoring or offensive concerns from start to finish this year. Like I think we're past that point. Yeah, you're you're past it. Like there, there's too many guys on this team that that one can shoot the ball, two can drive it, and three can go make a play for themselves. Like we've not even talked about all that part yet. We've been talking about the plays they've been making for each other, but they've got guys on this roster that can go get theirs when it's time. And you know, DJ is becoming that guy. Like I think that he's looking a lot more comfortable, you know, in that role and and putting it on the deck and starting to finish and and do some things there. But it's just the collective shooting that they're doing across the roster. I mean, there was some talk back in the summer that people weren't sold that this would be a good three-point shooting team. But early in the year, they're, not only are they taking a high number, they're also hitting a high number. So it's not just throwing them up there just hoping they go in. It's not like – because modern basketball is modern basketball. But if you if you can't shoot the three consistently, you can't go jack up 30-plus threes a game. Cal wouldn't do it. But Cal is seeing the proof in the pudding here. There's makes to go with the attempts, Jack. The pace that Kentucky's playing with, they're not just running it at you off missed shots. They're grabbing it out of the net and going and right up your backside off makes. Like the, the the tempo and the pace that they're playing with, you're just holding on for dear life if you're these other teams right now. And the way Kentucky is doing this, and there are some defensive concerns, yes, and we will get into those. That is an area that Kentucky must get better at if it wants to make a run when it matters in March and April. But right now, like, you line up and you play Kentucky and you give me the defensive issues. It, it's just kind of getting to the point where I'm like, well, he'll just outscore you. 
And you're probably going to get an opportunity to kind of see that type of game Tuesday night, which we will get into between Kentucky and Miami, a team that is struggling defensively. I think they're like 101, maybe last time I looked in Ken Palm and and defense efficiency. So we'll dive into those numbers later. But the brand is fun right now. And everyone is having a blast watching it. How about Joey freaking Hart getting the record? That it was Sean. I, I know you weren't there Friday night, but I will. Thir- I will clearly admit I'm sorry. I'll. I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was. I was ce- actively celebrating in on press row. I was jumping up and down, screaming, celebrating like a fan on press row when Joey Hart hit that shot. I guarantee you, the people that were, you know, the journalists that. I refuse to do that. And, and they, you know, I, I respect that. And I, I totally understand. And, and I, I, I was not my lack of professionalism shown bright as bright as humanly possible when Joey Hart nailed that three, but guess what? Sue me. It was as Cal talk two games ago, uh, right. You know, right. I think it was a Stonehill game, right. When in the midst of DJ and Justin struggling and talking about the weight of their shoulders And he said something that was really telling. He said, you want to feel like your work is paying off. You want to feel like the efforts that you're putting in in practice and the training and development to kind of reach those next steps are like there's a reward to that, that that, that it doesn't feel like your effort is going unnoticed. That was that moment for Joey Hart. Has he looked out of place at times in his very brief minutes? Like has... That's to be that's to be expected. He was never supposed to come in and be an, and be an immediate star. Like he was always gonna. This was always gonna be a long term battle. He has accepted that role, and it's good for him. Like Kentucky needs those those guys to develop over the course of years. But he's also working just as hard as everybody else. That dude deserves some time in the spotlight, and he got the actual tangible reward. It, like his name will always be in the record book when they talk about this 118 point performance, it's going to be on a Joey Hart left corner dagger, like with 40 seconds left in the game. That's awesome. That dude deserves it just as much as DJ Wagner breaking through dessert. Like he deserves that moment just as much as Reed and Rob and, and Aaron Bradshaw working his way back. Like everybody is deserving of the rewards that they're starting to feel right away. But let me tell you, I was as unprofessional as I could possibly be on press row when Joey Hart hit that shot. Because guess what? History is history. It's never happened before in my time doing this job. Sue me. You you and I have been unprofessional a couple of times this season when you think about it on press row. Like at the Kansas game, and I know nobody, we didn't talk about this, but you and I, every time that Rob would hit a three, me and you were like smacking each other on the arm. Like, yes, <laughs> Go down. We're just what's like, that? What, what's that? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio gif where he like bites his knuckle. Like, oh, that was me. That was me every time Rob made a three. Like, I, I need, I need a minute. I'm gonna there, need a minute. There I, was, just, it, it's all the stuff we had talked about. That's why it was like that. Because we're, I mean, we went, we went to battle this off season for this group. After it was finally set in stone, what the roster looked like. I mean, we we debated Jeff Goodman. We we had Rostein on. We had all these guys on talking about it. And then when they started, not only and then you and I hosted KSR back in the summer and talked about a shift in in the way Kentucky was going to play offense. So here me and you were all summer throwing it out there, and then we're just sitting here thinking, please, please, please don't change. Please don't revert and go back to what you're doing. And they're not. 
And I think that's why me and you're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, everything that we said, they're doing it. But, you know, you mentioned Joey there. You're right. He deserved that moment. How about the bench reaction that you saw and the celebration, the togetherness that this team is showing? It's 118, Jack. How many times do we think Kentucky's going to go over 100? I mean, they've got another one in them, the way that they shoot and the, the pace that they're playing with. I mean, going over 118 is asking a lot. But I wouldn't put it past them with some of these non-conference games and things coming up. But man, they're fun to watch. The ball just moves and they're making shots and those two things go hand in hand. This is a team right now. Uh, I put it out there tonight. Kentucky's a problem. I, I, I mean, that, that play that I retweeted where it's just zip, 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 wide open three for Antonio Reeves, the best shooter on the team splash barely touches the net. It's just like, where has this been my whole life? I've been I've been waiting for this moment for so long and for it to actually come to fruition and just see it with my own two eyes. It's just like this 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 isn't real. It doesn't even feel like real life. Like this this is unbelievably fun. the product is so aesthetically pleasing right now that I am giddy to go to Rupp Arena now. Like there were times that there were games you know, nine o'clock on a Tuesday, Ole Miss, I'd be like, damn, this kind of feels like a chore to watch Kentucky basketball right now. And that's not how it should be. Kentucky basketball is a brand. It's a product. It's a fun product. And it's supposed to feel the way that we feel watching this game. It was supposed to feel like that 118 point performance uh, on Friday night. It's supposed to be a fun product. And right now it's a fun product. I can live I could live with a loss on Tuesday night if it means that we're seeing tangible progressive growth. If we are working toward the end goal, that is a team that looks not unstoppable is a, is a stupid word to throw, throw around. But if this team continues to grow and become a juggernaut, an offensive juggernaut by year's end, I can live with whatever happens in the run, in the process, as long as the what what broke my heart last year is when Kentucky would lose seventy to fifty eight games, when it would be just mind numbingly boring product, where it's like, man, that this isn't even worth the effort to put it in. Now you can live with Kansas because they're looking the part, and you can see the growth. You can you, and it was one of those things too that when we did our preseason predictions and stuff, and we were talking about non-conference games, I've talked about checkpoints a ton on this show. And I thought that the schedule was set up perfectly to kind of assess where this team's at. We, we got an assessment a couple of weeks ago with Kentucky and Kansas, and we left Chicago that night, you and I on a rapid reaction talking about Phoenix. And when all we'd, we just watched Kentucky lose a game to Kansas by five, like just the overall look of the team but now we're at a new checkpoint. And coming up on Tuesday night, this is the part, and we will get into this deeper, but this is the thing where Kentucky just hasn't been winning big basketball games in this program for a number of years now. Yeah, they won on the road at Kansas a couple of years ago. It was a massive win. Won on the road at Alabama. They beat North Carolina on neutral floor, who ended up going on play national championship. But Kentucky's come up short in majority of these now for the last three or four years. I think fans, I think it's going to be an unreal environment. Tuesday night at Rupp, the first real big environment at Rupp Arena this season. I think it. I think those guys that have been suiting up, 
are probably going to be surprised about how different it is and how real it is when that place is packed and going crazy. And it, yeah. the brand you put the brand with that and the way that they're playing basketball right now, and the roof may blow off if they come out and hit some early shots. But just overall, Kentucky is at an A right now for what they are. And if they do lose Tuesday night, I don't I don't my opinion won't change significantly. But this is a game I do want to see them win because this is where you start talking non-conference resume. You're a few weeks in, you're seeing other teams build it. Purdue got three huge wins in Maui. That field was loaded. Kansas got has wins. You want to start getting some of these, though, because you don't want to get into December in North Carolina and not have one yet. It, it is a big one on your home floor. It's a top-10 team that I think a lot of people still are waiting for Kentucky to beat someone before they really put them somewhere in the top-10, maybe even top-5. But this is an opportunity. And Michael TB says, and, and I get this point, and, and I want to get your thought on it, Sean. What happens to modern basketball in March when the shots aren't falling? I'll just say it. I hate it. Hot shot Alabama one seed last year got their asses handed to them. Uh, they're not living and dying by the three, though, and I think that's the difference. They're they're getting assists and ball movement and finishing around the basket. I think 34% of their points are, are, are coming from or around the basket, like, they're we're still finishing in transition and getting interior looks with Trey Mitchell and you know DJ Wagner. That's you couldn't find a a worse comparison for a DJ Wagner style style of play than Alabama because that's not who he is. He's not a catch and shoot three point three point specialist. Like he's a guy who can catch them and make them in stride, but he is always going to get downhill. He's always going to be a, a, a guy that looks to attack, attack, attack. And Cal continues to talk about we got to learn how to close out games. We got to learn how to finish. We do have to learn how to grind things out and figure out how to win down the stretch. But 27 assists on 45 made shots with just nine turnovers is what it is. I mean, that's point blank period. 20 assists, uh, 20 assists per game on the year, 8.2 turnovers per game. I mean, this is not a team that just lives and dies by their offense. They're also doing it efficiently. And it's the, the product isn't just a a fart in a skillet like it's it's a it's an actual tangible offensive product where it is poetry in motion like it's not it's not just let's just launch as many threes as possible and hope for the best that I think we did see with Alabama at times last year yeah and you know Alabama was still a team that Brandon Miller was a big part in where they were going to go and in that game last year where they lost in the NCAA tournament, Brandon Miller was three of 19 and one of 10 from three. And then when you go down the roster and you look, you know, Sears was 0 of 5, Quinterly was one of three, Griffin was one of five. Like they, they didn't shoot it well across the roster. But my thing with this team is last year, Kentucky could not survive a cold shooting night from Antonio Reeves. They couldn't. They, they, they had chances to win that game against K-State. They didn't hit enough shots from the outside. When they played Kansas and Chicago, Antonio Reeves wasn't efficient from three at all, three of 17. There were other guys that made shots in that game that gave Kentucky a chance in November without a front court. When you get down to it, the, the biggest thing and the reason I have been so high on this team and why I believe they are a top five team in college basketball and a, and a top two or three backcourt in college basketball, maybe number one when you look at the numbers overall, it's still early the way that they blend together 
I just don't see any night where at least two of these guards are not going to be on their A game. I just don't see it. And we have seen it to this point where when Rob and Reed were good, DJ had an off night. Reeves had an off night in, in efficiency numbers. But look what it looks like when they're all hitting shots and they're all playing well. It's scary. And I know it's Marshall, but Marshall walked into Rupp Arena and was ready to get out as soon as it started because they're like, my goodness, we can't do anything with, with what they're doing offensively. It's the, it's the depth of talent and the different ways Kentucky can beat you in the backcourt, an area of the floor that wins national championships. Whoever has the best backcourt is winning a national championship when it comes down to it in matchups. I'm taking Kentucky when it gets into that tournament, if this is what we see from this backcourt over the course of this season at multiple – and the number of guys doing it. Look, Jack, Rob Dillingham, eight assists. It, did we think that he would be the guy that's leading Kentucky in assist numbers when the season started? <laughs> no. And it's just – it's a collective thing, though. They're all chipping in. Tuesday's a big test. Who – Rises to the moment. Rob was asked uh, about, I think Ben Roberts asked him after the game, said, you had five point, uh, five uh, rebounds and five assists before you even took your la- took your first shot in this one. He said, be honest, have you, did you ever think in your entire basketball journey, did you think that would be possible? And Rob said, yeah, man, I'm going to be honest. You didn't hear much of Rob didn't look to shoot in my in my high school. It was like it was the most it's like I don't know just sweet and like personal growth quote from him where it was like yeah I know what my reputation was I've been learning you know it was it was just a really cool moment for him where he made it abundantly clear no there's a reason why I developed the reputation I had in the past it's because I like shooting the basketball. Sue me. I enjoy it. It's fun. And he, but then he, to his credit, closed out the quote saying, I don't even look for my shot anymore. If they come, I'm going to go get my shot. Cal, Cal went above and beyond to talk about the importance of Rob Dillingham needing to shoot more and needing to kind of, you, you know, how do we create more for Rob so we can kind of put him in space? You know, said, I'm going to be honest. Cal said, I'm going to be honest with you. If he's one on one, I don't know if there's many. There are many people in in college basketball that can stop him. He said that, and then when when Rob was asked about it, he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I don't really love ISO ball, but if that's what Cal wants of me, I'll I'll take it. I'll, I'll figure it out. But just know that's not like a need of mine. Like that's it's not something that I'm quietly complaining to Cal about. Saying I need my touches, I need my shots. He's like, I really don't even care about my my shots right now. Cal is the one saying we got to put the ball in your hands more, which I think is quite telling. Yeah, it is telling. Like you're you're finding out who who they want to play through, I think. And and guys are starting to move into their roles, even though a lot of guys are, are playing a high number of minutes. And obviously when you score 118 and you win the way Kentucky won the other night, it was easier to kind of balance those minutes out. But a lot of those guards stayed around the same number of minutes played. And But when you go back and you look at this thing, Jack, this has been a team that has shared the ball at a high clip ever since the moment they stepped on the floor together competitively for the first time in Toronto. Like we talked about the ball movement and the assist in July. It is actually getting better as this thing goes along. And I just, I don't know where they stop. I mean, when you're making shots and, and everybody's playing unselfishly and, and everybody eats and you're not getting caught up in egos and it's just winning basketball, look at how good everyone looks. We have literally had an episode where we have talked about every one of these key guys 
in a, in a star role at some point. We've had the Aduthiero Kansas talk. We've had Trey Mitchell and all of his unreal numbers that just continue to pop off the page at you. Four more assists the other night. One turnover, I believe. So he's still getting a high number of assists and, and, and not turning the ball over. I think that's three turnovers now for him on the season total. And he plays a lot of minutes. And then when you look at DJ, we've had the DJ game talk. We've had we actually titled an episode the Reed Shepherd game. We've talked a ton about Rob, like Antonio Reeves, and and I mean still leading the team in scoring and, and where he's at when it comes to to overall numbers. Just all those things that I just rattled off to you. Sure, it's November. They haven't got a a win again on their side that's going to be a quad one win yet. They get another opportunity on Tuesday. But when you just look at it. I just don't think that you can really look around college basketball and pick out four or five teams that are playing better than Kentucky's playing right now when you look at the style of play and the way that they're doing it. They don't have a front court. I understand that. But we're talking big picture here. We're talking about what Kentucky can be, not what they are right now. I like what they are. They're not going to regress. They're actually going to continue to take steps forward and get better. And when the roster is complete, then you can start diving into what they look like on the defensive end of the floor when they get a seven-footer. And then how do they play when they get that? that seven footer. And that is the question of the hour because we did get actual tangible progress updates on, from John Calipari. Like we did get some, you know, actual information about where things stand with Aaron Bradshaw. Cal says that he has returned to practice. Uh, we talked about that last week on the show that he's back at practice. The extent of that Cal said is just five on zero team stuff he had been working his butt off in individual drills we have known that for for a minute uh but you know just starting to kind of understand team concepts and learning how to play within the system and things like that which was always going to be a a, a you know a, a development like it's gonna it's gonna take a minute before we see the final product with Aaron Bradshaw and what he's going to contribute to this team by year's end but we can at least start to kind of piece together what that looks like now with and, and can talk about Aaron Bradshaw legitimately as a, a real option on this offense and what that means. Um, I asked Rob uh, after the game, you know, what is what does it mean for you guys to be able to start to see them in practice? Z was in practice as well. And then he got a hundred and four degree fever, which what the hell? Like, how how are we even at this point? But we've seen him in practice. Bradshaw's back at practice. Ugo, Cal said, is running and jumping and starting to do different things as well. I asked Rob what that kind of looks like to him and what the vision is now that he we know what we are on the floor right now and then what it can kind of be in practice. And he said, I'm not going to lie. It's definitely crazy. You see them, but when they're actually playing and we have all of our players, it's kind of like, dang. It's going to be really hard to stop, man, especially if we learn how to play together and gel together. It'll be an amazing team for sure. Like, that's what we're, that's, that's the vision. Like, that's what we're hoping for. And it's, it's just, it's exciting. It really is exciting. We don't know what that looks like necessarily yet because Aaron Bradshaw uh, we don't have a like specific timeline. We don't have a specific date yet. I know there was a lot of talk about Marshall. I'd heard that that was not going to be the case. He was not going to play against Marshall. I had heard that Miami was a long shot, that, that we should not be expecting him to play uh, on Tuesday night. Again, he has not played five-on-five five competitive basketball since the spring. To throw him back in and expect him to just be magically okay and ready to bang down low and and fight for rebounds and get putbacks and do all that. It's just, it's asking a lot. 
And if you're putting up 118 points without him at this point, and the team looks as cohesive as it is without him, and you're you're having the all-around success that you do right now, what is what is the benefit of throwing him in right this very second? And I think that's going to be the mindset that this team has, that this staff has, that things are already working right now, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There, there's a lot of trust that comes with where things stand with Bradshaw and knowing that he is a seven foot one athletic versatile big with a broken foot. Don't throw him in just for the sake of doing it. Let him ease his way in. Let him figure it out in practice and learn how to play with physicality and all that stuff and then ease him in. I don't think it's going to be on Tuesday against Miami that sucks. I'd love to see him, but I don't think that's going to be realistic. I still am hearing early December should be expected. And I do kind of have my eyes on that pen game, Sean. I think that that's something we should kind of have a, our, our eyes on because it's a, it's a homecoming matchup. He's going to be up in the Northeast, 10 minutes away from friends and family uh, from, from New Jersey, uh, games in Philadelphia right across the, the, the bridge. Like, I think that is that should be kind of a, a loose target for right now. And I think the, the, the competition level is going to justify um, where where you can you can see him go go in and get 10 15 minutes and and you know start to figure things out yeah that's that's the date that I was looking at uh, talking to someone over the weekend I just I, I think the the one next week UNC Wilmington at home I mean it depends on how things go between between now and then but you're right it, this is going to be a slow progression into into this like this isn't going to be a Bradshaw's available and plays 27 30 minutes game one like you're not running the risk of, of of setback or something like that. You want to ease him into this and one kind of figure out how you're going to play because it, it goes back to, to everything that I've been saying with Kentucky figuring itself out in tight games. There's going to be another transition here where Kentucky figures out itself with Aaron Bradshaw on the floor and lineup combinations. It's another guy that you work in and it, it just depends. I mean, you want to see some some results on the floor and, and and with some lineups together against some teams. And what was the what's the December schedule look like? Is it is it Saturday, 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 or is there a one in between Penn and North Carolina? I know North Carolina's the sixteenth there in the middle of the month, and I know Penn's the ninth. So are there any midweek games in December? Because I'm trying to figure out if there's another one there, but we got Saturday, 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 Thursday for the Louisville game, December 21st, and then a Friday, December 29th. Okay, so after Tuesday, there's only two games between now and North Carolina, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so that's that's the gap that I'm that I'm looking at, and you wish that there were like a midweek game somewhere in there that you could that you could get him a look or, or something. It, I mean, we have no idea how this is going to go, but I know you and I recorded the other night and. Uh, we, we kind of talked about, you know, resuming practice and the report that David put out and things like that. And a couple of things got kind of crisscrossed around and things, but he is back. He did get on the floor at Rupp Arena before the game the other night. I thought that that was a step in the right direction, seeing him out there. He, he looks good. And in some video and stuff that I saw, I think that's at least a step in the right direction, Jack, to, to getting him out there with the guys. And you can tell, like, you put a video up of him walking around during warmups. And he's engaged. He is engaged within this program. You know he wants to be out there with those guys, especially the way that they're playing. He makes them better. The minute he's available and he get him gets caught up to speed with conditioning and been on a lot of minutes, Kentucky gets better. It gets seven foot one, 
size out there on the floor. Like that's something that you cannot simulate that. Either you got you got it or you don't. And Kentucky will have it when he's available. Yeah, and it, there are a lot of questions about Big Z, um, Giant Slayer. Big Z came here to play. Does no good for him to stay out. Wants to go to the NBA. Needs to showcase his skills to do so. Brad shall be back by the pen game. Um, yeah, but it's also not about Z and the NBA. Like you don't just want to rush him back just for the sake of his draft stock either. Like you know, it doesn't. He it, he's always he was always going to be a guy that like if he if the if it made sense for him to come in and you needed him in in a way like that was going to be his role. It was never going to be step in and have him start next to Aaron Bradshaw and Trey Mitchell and go three giants. Although Cal did say uh, after the game that he had been working with a lineup of Jordan Burks, uh, Ugana, or Jordan Burks, Big Z and Aaron Bradshaw together in a lineup. And I don't love that at all. Uh, so please let's not, let, let's not do that. Let's not make that a reality, but I did. I have heard, you know, I think the clearance of Big Z is the bigger question right now in terms rather than what his impact is going to be. I continued, you know, I continue to hear that the expectation is he does ultimately be clear. Maybe it's just false hope internally and on my end at this point. Like maybe it's just um, just knowing where he is on the docket and knowing the information that they have submitted and the conversations they've had with the NCAA that there's no reason for them to think that he wouldn't be declared eligible, but it is November 26th and we haven't heard anything quite yet. Um, but I had heard um, just this past week that the expectation remains that if he does get cleared, that they do expect him to play this year, that they do have high, you know, it's not like he's so far back de developmentally right now that, you know, you just can't rely on him to do anything of substance this year. And this is just kind of a throwaway season for him. They're still very excited about Z and, and want him to, you know, continue to progress the right way. His conditioning is not great right now. Uh, again, he is 104 grade fever. It just feels like he keeps having setback after setback physically. Um, he's going to get there. They are very excited about who he is as a basketball player. I kind of worded my question to folks around the program, like how far behind developmentally is he? Like, is he, is it really as, you know, it would make sense for him to be super behind. Is that the case? And they were like, no, he's, he's progressing very, very nicely. We, we knew what to expect when he came in and he has hit those benchmarks and continue to progress from there. Like he's, he's progressing fine. The big question is just when the documentation comes back from the NCAA to clear him, like when will that be the case? I don't know. And it's very fortunate that we don't have to answer that question right now because the team does look so good without him. Like you don't need him to play against Miami and feel, feel like they have a shot. You know, Kentucky has a shot without big Z, you know, they have a shot without Aaron Bradshaw. You love them both on the floor, but you don't need either of them right now. in Ugana, I do love that. We're, we heard a, you know, finally heard a, a positive note from John Calipari that he's running and jumping because I am rooting for him. Ugo is an awesome kid, and he does have an elite skill set that can contribute to this team. You can't, you know, I, I think the fit concerns are real, but I'd love for him to prove me wrong in that regard. And we do know that he does have an elite skill, Sean. So I don't really care when we get them back. I just want to see all of them at some point this season. But I feel much, much better about at least Aaron Bradshaw playing in the very, very near future. And then from there, we'll just kind of see where things go with the other two. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I feel a lot better about Bradshaw being available soon. 
And that's something that it's it's kind of on on pace with everything that Cal was talking about there early in October at, at Pro Day and things. Like once we started, you know, counting the weeks and progressing and getting back to the court, we knew that there would be a transition to some individual workouts and then to practice and then to play. Like there's steps to this. And they're taking steps to getting him out there with Z. It's just all about you got to be cleared. And the moment he gets cleared, I say Cal throws him in a game just to, to kind of see because you, you just don't know, right? Like you can watch this guy get up and down and practice and, and things, but I want him to get eligible and get an opportunity because of everything that he has experienced and gone through just getting here. It was enough to get here, and now that he's here, it's not been easy. I mean, like you said, food poisoning, sick again, and and things that he, not being eligible yet. Like it, it's got to be frustrating for him. But when you watch him on the bench, he's another guy that's having a blast, and he's active and, and energetic, and he's up and he's clapping and he's cheering for his guys. That is just that's culture. That is culture within this team and what they're doing right now. You got to get some size though. You got to get some bigs. Then we'll see what Kentucky looks like defensively. I just don't think that you can accurately talk about Kentucky and critique them on the defensive end of the floor. Offensively, we, we can talk about it. But defensively, until they get some size, you can't really talk about it. And, and Trey Mitchell has just beaten banged with, with everyone this season. I mean, he is – he accepted a role that was very, very hard and very, very difficult. A role that he hadn't played in offensively, and then he's taking on the the opponent's best big every single night and just going down there. And what they did against Hunter Dickinson for 40 minutes was was impressive. So you're talking about a guy that I think has added some toughness to his game. That Not saying that he wasn't tough where he got here, but he's certainly added some since he got here because he's had to. What do you make of – so I heard that the plan, the tentative plan right now, is that when A.B. comes back, he's going to be Kentucky's four alongside Trey Mitchell. And there's a lot of optimism about what that looks like because of the shot making and because of the kind of defensive versatility that if Trey has already kind of held his own the way that he has against fives, he would stay as the five and kind of, you know, have Bradshaw be kind of the help side defender shot blocking presence. Like that's kind of what this team had been missing. And there are high hopes for that. Um, and they're kind of just banking on the offensive versatility to remain and the shot making to remain again. I do think Adu Thiero is going to be the odd man out. And I think he's going to be accepting of that role. Uh, I think it's going to be okay for him to kind of see a, a decrease in minutes. Obviously Jordan Burks is in, in the same boat as well. The minutes have to come from somewhere. And I think that's where they're going to come from. Um, but what do you think of the, the, the fit there? I, I know we can talk positionless basketball till we're blue in the face, but do you really buy the flexibility there of, of AB at the four and Trey at the five? The most important thing that I'm pulling from that is Trey at the five. That's, that's what I'm pulling for it from what you said. It's not Trey moving to the four. It's Trey stays at the five with, with AB. I just, I don't know yet. I've not got to see, I've never got, I've never got to watch Bradshaw play in person. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm sure you have, right? Like a, yes. you've, you've probably watched, so you can probably talk a little bit more to his game and what you've seen physically with your own two eyes. But for me, what Kentucky's doing offensively and the way that they're playing, I need to see it first. I need to see how AB fits in, in one of those those roles because let's let's talk about what Kentucky's been doing offensively. Like it's a blend. It's it's read and react. It's you know we get caught up in so much dribble drive and things that, that Kentucky did early on under John Calipari. And, and yes, they're still doing some dribble drive looks, but they're blending like they're mixing in like Princeton looks and things with, with Trey Mitchell at that spot in the middle third of the floor, making decisions then and, and things they're, they're running all kinds of action off the ball for Antonio Reeves and there's throwing goes. And that's the stuff that, I mean, can you see AB and, and Trey in some two man action? Like there's, I don't know, like, because I haven't got to see it. So it's hard to speak on it when I haven't got to really see Bradshaw and what he does. How's his ball handling, Jack? I know that's something that. Not as good as a do. Not as, you know, it would be it would be better than Jordan Burks probably. But uh, it, it has grown. Like, the unicorn, quote, unquote, stuff with Bradshaw was thrown around his senior year and at some of these uh, high school. I, I remember the first time I saw Aaron Bradshaw uh, last summer at the MBPA Top 100 camp where he had really started throwing around the I want to be a unicorn type stuff. And I saw him go coast to coast for the first time as a seven foot one long athletic big. And it was a nightmare. I mean, it, it looked terrible. It was an awful, 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 awful possession. And I remember going, whoa, yeah, this guy needs to really – he got too much dip on his chip if he thinks he's going to be a, uh, a you know, positionless unicorn big at Kentucky. Like, that's not going to be the case. To his credit, I have seen him do that exact same play and thrive in it more often than not since then. Like, he has done some really unique things – and I do think he's going to be able to, you know, probably not be a true put the ball on the floor guy, but he can be a one, two dribble pull up guy comfortably get to his spots if he's going to play that four spot. I don't think he's a three the way he's dreaming, but I, there's something there. And I think that's all that matters because I did not see the vision last summer. It's starting to come together. The volume has to come with making shot, taking and making shots. I think he's made. I, I, I don't have the number in front of me how many threes he made his, his senior year, but I think it was like six. So I don't think he's ever going to be a just dynamite three-point shooter, taker and shooter, but there's enough there to work with where I think there is a fit at the four, I believe. Yeah, and, and the, the thing too, though, is you get something there at the five if, if Trey comes out or you get some foul trouble. You can slide him to the five. The way Kentucky's playing offense – and, and doing things, I could see him getting some minutes there. I just need to see it and and see it for, you know, a few games to kind of look and see what Kentucky looks like when, when he's thrown in the mix. I, obviously, there's going to be some guys that play less, and that's just the way it goes. Like Aaron Bradshaw will be one of the players that plays a lot of minutes when he's available, 
And when he's 100% and able to go, he's going to be out there. We know that. We know the talent that he adds and what he brings to this team. There will be some guys that slip and slide. That's the first time this year where I think you'll be challenged and John Calipari will be challenged with maybe keeping everything together is, all right, we're playing this way, we're doing this thing, now we're throwing this guy in, and if he plays at some point, Jack, let's say he gets north of 20 minutes with like we'd expect, those 20 minutes are going to have to come from more than one guy. Mm-hmm. It's going to come from multiple guys. And just the way Kentucky's playing and shooting the basketball, I'm not just trying to single out guys here, but I want to see a little bit more. Is a Duthiero going to play less? That's probably where I look first. Or Jordan Burks. Jordan Burks and then a Duthiero. The clip that you're talking about that you shared the other night with the, the ball zipping and zipping and stuff, and I texted you yesterday morning, Adu actually had a wide-open three from the corner, and he just put it on the deck and drove. And then it goes out top of the key, and it gets fired back across. Like, if that's Antonio Reeves, or that's Justin Edwards, or that's Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard, DJ Wagner, Trey Mitchell, whoever it is in that spot, that's an attempted three. With Adu, that's not his game. With That's, Bradshaw, it's a taken three. It's it's a taken three. So those little things like that is what I'm looking at. That a couple of times late in the game against uh, St. Joe's, I remember there was a play where somebody had a one more. I have to pull it up, and it, and it was a do, and they ended up not throwing it in that moment. And the, I think the time before they threw it to do, and then he he's going to drive. Like that's what a do's comfortable at. So I could see his role. He's still going to play. I'm not saying a dude's not going to play. He's still going to have a role. But when Kentucky needs that physical, that presence and, and, and chipping in with rebounding, we don't know how deep Kentucky's going to go on the interior. Me, personally, I think it's going to be two. I think it's going to be Bradshaw, and I think it's going to be Trey Mitchell. That's where a dude gets his minutes and, and run is in that role. But there's still a lot of things that Cal has to figure out when Bradshaw does come back. And it's all those things that I just now talked about. There's a lot of moving pieces just by adding one guy. Yeah, I, I looked it up. A combined eight made threes a, across his last two years at, at Camden for Aaron Bradshaw. So, like, there's not a real sample size of him being a true three-point threat, but he is growing. And, and like, I, I saw more of it in, you know, AAU, all-star, you know, camp settings. Um, but – we got to see. I mean, that, that's going to be the biggest question. I, you know, the, the shot is there. The the mechanics are there. He is so fundamentally sound as a shooter. It's kind of weird how his touch is at his size. But we, we just got to see. We, we got to, we, we, you know, we, we won't know until we know. And I think that's why we should expect 10 to 15 minutes a game from Aaron Bradshaw when he first comes back. I, I would love for him to come back, play 12 minutes against Penn, and then play – 17 against North Carolina. Let him be a physical presence uh, down there. And, and uh, you know, in Atlanta, I think that would be the fit for him. But it doesn't matter. Like, we, it's it's all of the – anything that he would provide is just icing on the cake at this point. Uh, it, he – don't look at it as he needs to be our anchoring big. Look at it as how would he be replacing Adu's minutes? Would that be a net positive on both ends of the floor? He would be replacing Jordan Burks. Would that be a net positive? And I think it's hard to imagine him not being a net positive over both of those players right now. As much as I like them both and as much as they're they're contributing, look at it from that realm as a role piece and a role contributor, not as a we need another star. You already have six guys that finish in double figures in this past game. You don't need him to be that otherworldly talent, alien, three-point 
taking big. Let him just find his role and be that role, that complementary piece the way Trey Mitchell is. Let him be the seven foot one version of Trey Mitchell and look out. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, I think that Kentucky will get better for sure when he's available. The defensive numbers, I think, will improve when you add size. When you add a guy back there that can, and you mentioned him playing off the ball, and it, it'll all, de- like, offensively won't necessarily determine where he is, where, what his matchup is defensively. Like, if he could still guard, you know, a five or whatever. But like you said, coming over from help and, and blocking shots, like, you will get some length down there that can affect the game with size. Kentucky does not have that right now, and they'll be getting that back the moment he's available. But you're going into this Miami game Tuesday night. I know we're going to transition at some point to that. Yeah. But when you when you look at it, I think most people would expect a tight game Tuesday night at Rupp Arena. And Kentucky right back in that situation again, either down or with a lead, trying to close one out and win one. What Kentucky gets figured out now in those moments? What it figured out a week ago against St. Joe's and what it will figure out this week against Miami you're going to kind of have to refigure some of those similar things out when you add Bradshaw to the mix, because then you got another dude to mix in and go a little bit deeper if you want to, or look at different lineup combinations. So what they are figuring out, you're not going to have to tear it all apart again, but you'll have to figure something else out in those moments. But maybe they, maybe they look so good with what they got that that's what they end up going with. I don't know. Like that's why coaches are coaches. That's why he's the head coach. And that's why he gets paid millions of dollars to do it. And he has a staff to help him figure it out. But there's a lot of moving parts and pieces, but it, it gives Kentucky flexibility that they do not have right now when they get him back. And that's the biggest thing that they that they need. Well, well let's talk a little bit about that Miami game before we get out of here. Um, a team that is averaging 89 points a game, shooting 52.5% from the field, 46% from three, and uh, 83% from from the lo- at the line. Uh, very similar kind of offensive production to Kentucky so we could see an absolute offensive slugfest which is going to be an absolute blast I can I'll take these track meets uh, all day every day and and twice on Sunday it sounds uh, like a blast where they do have five players scoring in double figures not a whole lot of bench production from them Sean but a whole whole lot to like about that 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 starting five Um, and some familiar names like Matthew Cleveland former five-star uh, recruit McDonald's All-American that started his career at Florida State, averaging 16.8 points per game. Uh, he's shooting 50% from three, uh, 63% from the field. He's been terrific. Uh, Wugo Poplar, there's like a that random minute where he was a Kentucky target out of the portal. Remember that? Like it was, a, it was a bizarre timeline where Kentucky was connected with him for like 12 minutes uh, but now he found himself at Miami. He's been uh, he's been their best player, 18 points per game. Nigel Pack, who was kind of the NIL uh, superstar, he kind of w- had the big high profile NIL deal to open the the portal season. That was you know pretty fascinating, 16 points per game. And then Norchad Omier, UK did recruit him temporarily before he uh, made the decision to go to Miami. So a lot of familiar faces, familiar names, a high profile matchup, offensive juggernauts. I think it's going to be a blast at Rupp. It is going to be a blast at Rupp, and you mentioned mentioned familiar names there. And I mean, this is a program off a of Final Four appearance, one of the best ones in the ACC. And Kentucky gets a, a an opportunity to get a quality win at Rupp Arena. But you were mentioning some of those familiar names, and you mentioned uh, Uga Popular Uga Popular there. I remember exchanging texts with someone back during the time 
it was somebody it was i guess maybe with his high school program talking about the kentucky reached out but do you know how he got the name uga no so someone told me over the weekend that his grandmother used to call him booga because he had so much snot in his nose and over over the course of time they dropped the b and it's just uga uga poplar so why is it wooga <laughs> why is there a w they they added a letter just for the sake of doing it hold on i'll, I'll get that information <laughs> from the from the source because they are watching the show so because they wanted me to add that uh, I, I, please give me feedback <laughs> on where the w came from then because he's a, a terrific player but i i do need some context behind this randomly added w i just don't think it it makes sense if you're gonna go with uga go with uga i digress it's gonna be a fun matchup i'm very excited we'll get, about we'll it. get an update on that before we close i i, I see bubbles <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rooting for that yeah we'll we'll see but yeah it's gonna be a blast it's, it's gonna be I, what what would you say the over under on total points is going to be for this? Has that been set yet? Do you think? I, I'm, I'm I'm curious. Sure. Our friends at FanDuel have said that yet. So I I haven't looked yet. So let's take a guess. Oh boy, what did you say? Kentucky's. Do you have the averages right there? Ninety four <laughs> points per game. And and what is Miami's? Uh, eighty nine. Oh wow. I mean, this could be a one. Do they go? Man, I don't know. What, what do you think? One, one. I'm going to say one seventy nine and a half. That's a ton of points. Like that's that, what that's that's just what I'm throwing out there. Just from from the style of play that we've seen, I may be entirely off. You want me to go to Fanduel and look? Look at that, and I'll, while we do that, I'll say that the uh, whatever ESPN's matchup predictor, predictor their uh, ESPN analytics, they have Kentucky having a 79% chance of winning that one against number 10 Miami. Like, that's pretty fascinating. A 79% chance to win. I think that, I mean, it's going to be a tight game. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be a blast. Um, exactly the, you know, the, the test that, that Kentucky needs right now. I mean, the numbers are almost split evenly down the middle. It's hilarious. 89 points per game compared to 94 for Kentucky. 72 points allowed, 72 points allowed. 52% shooting, 50% shooting. 36 rebounds per game, 38 rebounds per game. 16 assists per game, 20 assists per game. 5.2 blocks, 4.8 blocks. 8.6 steals, 2.10.2 uh, steals. Like, it's uh, the numbers are almost identical for what they are as, as uh, you know, basketball identity. So, that's fun. I think that's a blast. I, I, I think this is going to be a really, really fun game. Uh, I, I have not been able to check yet about the uh, um, the I, the spread. I, yeah, I, I don't see anything yet. I could just be overlooking it. Maybe somebody else can can see it, but we'll certainly be watching it. And, and maybe maybe 179 and a half is way too high. I, I don't know. But when you're talking about two teams that can score the ball, man, that's – I mean, it's right there with it, right? Like I'm, I'm expecting a shootout. I'm expecting a game, at least in the 80s, between these two teams. So I, I say 179 and a half is probably a little too high. But what would you set it at? What would be your guess? Uh, the, um, yeah. So it is not up yet. I just checked. They only have through Monday at seven o'clock, which sucks. But 
you know, that, that is what it is. Go to our friends at FanDuel uh, and, and we, we, we love our we love our friends at FanDuel. We'll have the whole spiel Wednesday it, after the game during our during our post game. But but go with our friends at FanDuel. It, it'll be above 170. That'd be my guess. Got to be. Um, what do you think the individual point total will be set for Kentucky? Because I think it was 89 against Marshall. And even that was like, dang, that feels a little that feels a little optimistic. And then they absolutely demolished that. Um, I'm curious what the individual like. I, will they go 90? Probably not against Miami because the competition's better. But do they do they go 85? Do you think do you think FanDuel sets it at 85 for Kentucky? 83 and a half. And so would you go over or under that? I'm going over. I'm going over. Until they, uh, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm, been, I'm not taking unders with this team offensively. Right. I mean, are, are you going to be the one to bet against Kentucky hitting the over? Like, are you going to be that? I'm not. I, I guess the would. bigger question is, who do you think is the favorite? Who's the betting line favorite? Kentucky will open as a favorite. I think. I think it's going to be a Kentucky, Kentucky minus two and a half. That's what I was going to say. Two and Something. a half. Yeah, I think that's going to be pretty fair and. I'm going. I'm. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to, whatever the let, let's let's make a pack that whatever the over is for the Kentucky point total and whatever the favorite is, we're going to go with it. And that's going to that's going to be our publicized Fanduel uh, bet, bets of the game. We'll put that out. We'll put that out either tomorrow or Tuesday early early in the day before before the game. That's going to be. They'll be I'll, included. I'll claim that one. They'll be included. And, uh, there should be some game props. For this matchup too, some player props for this one that we can can look at. And uh hey, we've been doing doing pretty solid with those with those parlays too. Not I mean it's I'm having a lot of fun putting them together. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that that's been a fun show. Are there any uh hot takes that you want to get off your chest? I know it was a uh an eventful evening. Do you do you have any hot Mark Stoops takes to get off your chest before we get out of here? I do have why. Well, all I got was because they don't want people to connect to Booga. So they changed it from Booga to the W, hoping people wouldn't know he was snotty. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bro. (laughs) Any any Mark Stoops hot takes? Yeah. He's head coach at Kentucky. Like, I don't know if that's really a hot take, but man, yesterday was an event, huh? Like, I know, and I kind of feel bad that, like, I, I feel like when KSR goes live the day after something as ridiculous as that, like, I feel like it's something we just kind of have to address because it was like, what the hell happened? Um, yeah, that was wild. There was a lot to not like about that, and I still don't really like how it all unfolded. I'm glad that he's still the head coach of the University of Kentucky, but I think it was handled unbelievably poorly. And... Very awkward conversations to return to because uh, the uh, rumblings that he was outspoken about not about not feeling appreciated here and wanting to, you know, seeking the seeking this job out the way that that he did and you know almost maneuvering for an out at Kentucky. I just don't think that was great. Like that's what the Texas A&M people were saying. That was a, a, a one of the main top talking points during his interview with Texas A&M that apparently he crushed that uh, he said that he just didn't feel like he was appreciated at Kentucky anymore. And 
was, uh, you know, obviously would have the NIL and financial backing and the, the football school love that he's not getting right now at Kentucky, at Kentucky. He would get that at Texas A&M. Um, you know, I think it was an ugly, it was one of those deals that if you're going to go through all that, you kind of got to land the job. And however that unfolded, there have been both sides of the story of who told who, no, or whatever. But I think that there are going to be some awkward conversations with recruits and incoming portal guys uh, with the portal season starting in literally like a week and a half. Uh, how do you tell them that you're all in on the University of Kentucky when stuff like that comes out? I think it's it's quite it's it's troubling. I, I I'm glad that he's here. He's the all time winningest coach for a reason. He's awesome, and I will you know I support him wholeheartedly. But uh, he's got some questions to answer. I think I think tomorrow's going to be telling. I don't know if he has a press conference on Monday, but I know he'll have the call-in radio show where he will certainly have a lot to talk about. That's going to be yeah. a, a busy one. No presser tomorrow, but he will have the radio show. I wonder, I'm interested to see if he takes calls, if there will be the phone lines will be open, you know, for that one. But regardless of how you got there, he's still the head coach of Kentucky. But I went through a, a period yesterday where I woke up yesterday morning, you, you see the reports, you get it on college. I mean, college game day was talking about it. before Kentucky and Louisville kick off in a, in a game that Kentucky ended up winning, you know, five straight against Louisville and beating two of Louisville's best teams ever now when you look at 2016 and, and this year on with numbers and on paper. But what we went through yesterday is you had the, eh, not even going to really entertain the Texas A&M talk early in the morning, and then Kentucky wins. And then was at, I think Nick was the one that, that asked him the question in the, the presser, and he didn't say no. He just put out all the attention on the program. Where right there, you could have said, "Nah, you know, I'm the head coach of Kentucky. I'm going to be the head coach of Kentucky." But then you get through the evening, and last night I started having conversations with people and had accepted that Kentucky was going to look a lot differently in in the football program here in a few weeks. And I know John John Summerall's a name, Jack. That I mean, I think a lot of people had kind of had accepted it, honestly. I think a lot of people. I, kind of I talked myself into John Semerall as a head coach of the University of Kentucky. I, I, I had to. By 11 o'clock last night, I, I had to talk to some people and I was like, all right, let's see what John does offensively. And I had started, not that I wanted Stoops to leave and not that I want him to leave. It's just I had accepted that this was happening. We had reached a point where it was going to be done. And then when Matt tweeted last night, I was like, oh my goodness, like I'd did not see this shift coming, but you and I were texting a little bit in the group and was like, what in the world is happening right now? And look, recruits aren't stupid. Transfer into incoming transfers aren't stupid. Like you complain all season long about NIL and how it's not enough and how he doesn't feel that the support's there. And he, you know, we got a pony up, we got, you know, the, the, the backing isn't there where it needs to be. And the fans need to this and that. And you go to, you know, you pursue this Texas A&M job where there are unlimited NIL resources and financial backing, and it is a football powerhouse. And uh, I mean, it, 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 football is king at Texas A&M. Like I talked to somebody on the basketball side yesterday and they were like, we make no mistake about where we stand on the totem pole here. Like we know that it that football is king here. And if you become the head coach at Texas A&M, you and your remotely successful you are a god like you are a god in college station so to word it in such a way to say that I just felt like it was in my heart not the right time to leave and I just 
you know, we unfinished business and like, like, I just think that's, it's disingenuous. I just don't like, if you're going to pursue that man up to it and say that, that, that was, you know, you saw that as an upgrade and you pursued it. Like, don't, don't try to just backtrack because it didn't work out for whatever reason. I it just, I don't know. It, it, a lot of that situation rubbed me the wrong way. I don't think it necessarily matters at this point who turned down who, but now you have to answer to recruits. Now you have to answer to the people in the transfer portal, parents that are trying to that are trying to send their sons to your program and have them put their trust into you that you're going to be there through four years or a year. I mean, is this is this going to die down? Is this is this conversation over? I just I, I think if you're going to go all in on something like that and it's going to leak to the public that you have been emerged as Texas a ms top option, you better take it. Like you better figure out a way to, to, to move on and figure out what's next because that's a really awkward, Hey, sorry guys. I, I I'm happy to be here. Can't wait to, you know, national signing day coming up. Who wants to be the next, you know, why not Kentucky? Well, you kind of were the, why not? Like you were, you, put pen to almost put pen to paper on not Kentucky. So the why you are the why. So I don't know. It's just an uncomfortable situation that um, I'm glad is over. I, we think it is over at this point, but um, I think the questions are just now getting started. And I think they're going to begin tomorrow night uh, in that college. show. I think that all eyes are going to be on that and we'll see what happens, but. And, and there's probably, I mean, you mentioned, you know, recruits, parents, recruits, players, things like that but also your staff. I mean, those, not all those guys would go. I mean, there's, there's different directions that people would go. I'm sure there were some guys yesterday afternoon and evening that were wondering what the next move in their career was. And now it's not a move, which is good. Cause I mean, I listen, Mark Stoops has done an excellent job as head coach of Kentucky. The best job. And if Mark Stoops wants to go coach football at Texas A&M, go do it. You've earned that opportunity. That's a guy that stuck. That's a guy that stuck it out for over a decade at Kentucky, trying to build a program. I'll never criticize him for wanting to go where there there are better resources and things. I mean, we, let's let's face it, Texas A and M has more when it comes to recruiting, and they they can get different dudes. But what he's done at Kentucky and things, it's just yesterday was great. Finishing it off with the win, the way that they did, they played clean football. They played together. I saw a renewed energy that I hadn't seen from this from them in a while. And that's all we want. It doesn't have to be a win every single time you take the field. But I just thought that to get the togetherness late in the game, the, the second half, they played inspired football. Mark Stoops needs to get back to having a chip on his shoulder. Even though he's had a ton of success here, you gotta you gotta find a way to create a chip again because that's when he was at his best. And now, and now, apparently, uh, Mike Elko, the head coach at Duke, has just taken the job at Texas A&M. So there you go. There, there is some, there is some a conclusion there. Um, oh well, it is what it is. We'll be back, uh, I believe, on Wednesday, and I think we're going to have a very special guest who may or may not be uh, who John Calipari called a prodigy during. The uh, announce while announcing him as a uh, as a signee for 
the program, a, a prodigy, a two-year prodigy potentially at the University of Kentucky. Very excited about that. We have a big event coming up. Was that next weekend, Sean? That is next weekend, yeah. Next, next Saturday and Sunday. Next weekend, big, 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 big recruiting event in Louisville. We are going to uh, have our normal panel, you and I, on here. We're going to have Jaden Quaintance on the show alongside Travis Graff, who is a former friend of the show, current friend of myself and and uh, Sean. We're going to talk about the event and just what it means. The absolutely ridiculous star-studded lineup that features AJ DeBansa, uh Tyron Stokes, Jasper Johnson, the Frederick Douglass, uh, Broncos. I mean, obviously, that's going to be a powerhouse uh, powerhouse name in there. Jaden Quaintance is going to be playing as the, in there as well. He's going to be one of the headliners. So, uh, yeah, we have we have a lot to talk, a lot of awesome recruiting stuff to talk about. Uh, but obviously, hopefully, a, a big win to talk about afterward as well, Sean. Yeah, just just glad I'm not having to to go up against that guy. That, that he's not on the he's not on the scout <laughs> this week, and I'm I'm very happy about it. Him or uh, him or AJ or Tyron, they're they're not on the scout. So what would you do? No. Like what what would you, what would be your game plan for Tyron Stokes and AJ DeBanza? Like <laughs> I would have voted against the 30 second shot clock because <laughs> we've been holding <laughs> the ball for as long as possible. But no, we we have a tough test with what we've got. We've got our hands full. And we're excited to kind of showcase what we are against. We play St. Francis Academy out of Baltimore. And that's going to be a, a good matchup for us as well. So there's a lot of good basketball going on. It's good for the state. It's good for the city of Louisville. And just overall, when you when you look at high school basketball in the state, you're going to get to see some of the best talent the state has to offer, as well as bringing in guys from the outside that are future Wildcats. Absolutely. We will uh, be back. That will be Wednesday. We'll, we'll have um, Jaden Quaintance and Travis Graff on, and we'll hopefully be breaking down an awesome, awesome, awesome win over the Miami Hurricanes. We will, Sean, where can uh, fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. We will see you next time.